0: together. What a fun morning. I know we don't have any parking left, uh, but we're so grateful. Can Gateway South thank Gateway Beauty for hosting us? Can we just thank them? Thank you guys so much. Right after we got the word out that we're moving here, the power came back on. Uh, but there are so many things that need to be reset. Lights are blinking and we probably wouldn't have had time to pull it off. But what a fun way to be together today. I also want to thank all the people who get here early, make our tacos, help in the parking lot, let's thank them as well. Well, it's also great to be back in America. After uh, two weeks in India, it was an amazing experience, a challenging experience. By the way, every once in a while you'll hear uh, fans cheering for us in here, if you're new to this venue. Uh, But if you give to Gateway, I got to see what some of your giving is doing. And it was amazing to see just this beautiful experience, more of heaven in, on earth in a place in Andhra Pradesh in India. And Impact India 360 has amazing work, helping from womb to tomb is what they say. They have a hospital that you and I helped build. And in that hospital, they have doctors helping give birth to women who do not have insurance. They also have a school that serves children, many of whom do not have parents or a place to live. There's some pictures of the kids, uh, even a video of them playing, there we are. She really wanted uh, John Burke to take a picture uh, with her. And there's 210 children, some are from the neighborhood, some don't have parents, some have single moms that couldn't take care of them. And they also invest in kids that graduate from this school and go on to college. In fact, Kimberly and Robert Watson Hemphill have been a big part of that. And 80 different people have been able to go to college. Yeah, that's amazing. We're so grateful for that. Uh, But we were there to help invest in the pastors and they have about a thousand pastors over the years that have been able to go out and and start churches, some of them are starting churches in places where there is no church, and so having a chance to, to be there, to be part of that training was just really remarkable, and uh, there we are doing the training, and they have a home for seniors uh, that don't have a place to live, the Social Security and, and some of that, they don't have quite the same, in fact, if your family's not willing to take you, you're on the streets. Except for this ministry has created a, a, a place, a building where these seniors have a, a place to live out the rest of their lives with dignity. They have sewing classes to help women who have no income. And all of this is in a village of a million people. If you can imagine, a million people. But it's a village. When you go to a, a foreign country, it can be really challenging. Because there's different customs, there's different... Cultures. In fact, if you've ever been on one of our go teams, which is what a lot of our students have been on these trips to serve in different cultures and we teach them, when it comes to culture, it's not wrong, it's just different, but it feels wrong when you're there and things are just so different, especially when you're overwhelmed and you're jet lagged and and, and tired. And, And so in this village, there is no underground plumbing. And so sewage just comes down the curb And you can see men using the bathroom on the curb. There are wild animals, chickens, cows, uh, monkeys, pigs just wandering around eating the trash that's all along the side of the road. And then you experience just when they burn the trash, just it, it burns your eyes and it's uncomfortable. And then the mosquitoes seem to especially like me for some reason. And uh, I'd wear this little long sleeve jacket, kind of very lightweight, but it's so hot and humid. Uh, To them, it's their coldest month of the year. In fact, we would get up early and and do these little walks with the kids. And here's a picture of a couple of the boys wearing big puffy pink coats because it was almost 70 degrees. It was that cold. (laughs) Uh. And the food is really delicious, but it's really spicy. And I started developing heartburn. And so I looked up, how do you stop, you know, heartburn? And it basically said, leave India. It was <laughs> and I knew I couldn't do that. Uh, I mean, it didn't say that. It said, don't eat spicy, rich, you know, foods, which is all that we were eating every single meal. And the mosque would blare out this morning call to prayer every day, about 5.45 in the morning, whether you wanted it to or not. And there's all these things that are happening And it's easy to become judgmental, it's easy to become frustrated. So I'd have to remind myself, wait a minute, I'm here to serve and and to serve with humility. And and there's much for me to learn. And as hard as it was at certain points, there were also moments that were more remarkable than I could have ever imagined. A couple of my favorite experiences, um, most of all the children. I mean, these kids were unbelievably kind and loving, and they get up every day at 5.30 a.m., and they get dressed and ready, and then they come out to the courtyard at 6 a.m., and they do this march, and they sing their hearts out to Jesus, and then at 6.30, they have chapel, and at the end of chapel, they come up to me and John, they like fight to get over to us, and they love to shake our hands, and they say, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves me, so I love you. Every day, I mean, there's like a crowd of people. I felt like one direction, you know, like all these people clamoring to just touch my hand and tell me that Jesus loves me and that they love me. And on the last day, these children, literally every single one of the 210 children, they got in the line one after another to say, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves you, and I love you. Just one after another. I have a little glimpse. I want to show you these kids singing their hearts out. Listen to them as they sing. Amazing that was at six fifteen in the morning. Could you imagine that kind of energy from children, teenagers, adults <laughs> and these kids don't have cell phones and and there's just an, an innocence and a and a, a sense of wonder that was just so beautiful to see and, and then there was this Tuesday night they said that there's a what they called their prayer ministry. And so I thought we were gonna be going around and knocking on doors and praying for people. And and you know, that would have been stretching, but I, I was ready for it. And then he referred to it as a prayer meeting, which sounded a little bit different. I wasn't sure what that meant. And then uh, John wasn't feeling well that night. So it was just me. So Naveen, the pastor of the church there says, uh, we're gonna go on my motorcycle. And I was like, like, I'm gonna ride that motorcycle with you driving? Like this is happening at the same time or do I, do I take a motorcycle and you take a motorcycle? But no, I'm on the back of his motorcycle holding on to this little thing behind me for dear life. And while we're going, he, while he's talking to me, which seems like an inappropriate time to be talking, but he says, you need to know that your message should only go for about 30 minutes. And I'm thinking message, what is he talking about? This is this a prayer? meeting and so we get there and we walk into basically an alley and this is what i see a crowd like 200 people who had to travel over unpaved roads dodging wild street animals to worship in an alley crammed in between these homes and and they would sing their hearts out listen to this song, this song comes- Just singing their hearts out. I'm sure the neighbors hated that night. <laughs> it was right up on their house. And and you have to understand that Christians in India are a minority and often persecuted, and yet they love Jesus so much. And it felt a lot like the, the book of Acts, where you see just very few people who follow Jesus, but miraculous things happen all around them. In fact, one of my other favorite moments was speaking in a church on Sunday night and it was literally, the entire church was meeting in the second floor of a house and it was crammed packed with people who were eager to get there. Some who were carried up the stairs to be able to be in there with us. And it's interesting, they have this kind of tradition. They, they, they give us what's called the garland. It's a real thing of honor. I, I almost wondered if they, they did this so that they're, they're saying in essence, like you really have to listen to this person because we, we spent money buying them this lay. It's like a lay. And then they put like a shawl on. I felt like I was wearing a pastor's cape or something, a superhero cape. And to be able to look them in the eye and and talk to them about reaching people and loving people and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth in a place that can be really difficult. The poverty can be overwhelming. But the difference that they're making is Tremendous. I've never met more loving, hospitable people than I experienced in India. And it felt like the book of Acts in the the fact that they're also trying to help people who believe in many, many gods worship the one true living God. I was incredibly proud of our, our partner there. And it reminds me of, if we're honest, we all struggle with this sort of thing. It's easy to become judgmental of people who do different things than we do. If we're honest, we can judge not just people because of cultural differences, but because they just don't see things the way we do or make decisions the way we do. It reminds me of this great Mark Twain quote. He once said travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. If you've never been on one of our go teams, as you're a teenager in the room, or if you're a parent of a teenager, I encourage you to, to go on one of these trips. If As a parent, you can go as a chaperone as I did for my kids. This year, we're going to the Dominican Republic, to Alaska, to San Antonio. And I think another place um, that I can't remember right now. But if you just go to gatewaychurch.go teams, sign up before they fill up. Because it will change your perspective. And when you come back home, you'll see things a little differently. And don't have to travel overseas to become judgmental of other people. Maybe there's someone at work, someone in your neighborhood. Maybe someone in your own house that right now you're having a hard time seeing eye to eye with them. Right now, you're having a hard time connecting with them. See, relational cracks and fissures, tension, heartbreak, relational confusion, all of this can be rooted down to one particular issue. It's pride. See, pride is when you think of yourself as better than other people. It's thinking of yourself more highly than other people. But there's another type of pride that can also get in the way and that's thinking of yourself more lowly than you should. But here's the problem, pride in both a sense of arrogance or low self-esteem, whether you're thinking too highly of yourself or too lowly of yourself, in both instances, you're thinking about yourself. And the scripture warns us of how dangerous pride can be, that pride comes before a fall but that if we will humble ourselves, that God can lift us up. See, in our pride, we become too comfortable with doling out discomfort to others, to deleting deep relationships, to driving ourselves into a void of isolation. What happens is we either become the tragic hero who can't catch a break or eternally the helpless victim. We turn into this situation where everything that's wrong in a relationship is their fault, and there's nothing that I've done wrong. I'm blameless in this. Whenever we get to that place, you, you need to step back and realize something's, something's off. My wife and I have been married almost 29 years in just a few weeks. That's amazing. And, and you know, it, it, it truly is a miracle, and it is amazing, especially as I look back at so many of my, my buddies from high school and college and And some of their marriages and some of the struggles that they've experienced but but you know how many times I've had to humble myself and and say I was sorry or humble myself and and say I forgive you or humble myself and and say I want to listen I want to hear what I could do better how many days are there in 29 years I'm not I'm not good at math it's it's one of those things that a healthy relationship requires two people willing to humbly serve the other. And the same is true at work and the same is true in your neighborhood. If you have any inkling of pride, it can immediately get between you and that other person. You Either look down on them or you look down on yourself. There's a little image of an arrogant person or a person that is thinking too lowly of themselves, but in both cases, they're thinking about themselves. I wonder if you had to choose one or the other, is there one that seems to be more common in your life? See, when we allow God to enter into the picture, then actually everything changes. He can right-size our way of thinking. He can bring health into our relationships. Rather than judging others, we can extend grace to others just as we've received grace. And so we're looking at Daniel because he, lives out a whole different way than what the world normally lives out. We don't have to be destined to an overflated or underinflated ego. God's heart for helping his people develop humility and true humility can be seen in this story. And so when you think of humility, I wonder what you think of. It's funny, I remember somebody telling me a few years ago, it's a a silly joke, but they said, have you ever heard of the book, Perfect Humility and How I Attained It? They then described, it was written by a man named I Am Proud, right? And see, the sad reality is if we don't humble ourselves, oftentimes we can get to the same place. It just requires humiliation. See, humility is when we choose to do it. Humiliation is when it happens to us. And so we, we're we're having fun, you know, throughout this throwdown. And I, I should just tell you that Jesse and I, representing Generation X and the wisdom that comes with Gen X, hope to dole out a little bit of humble pie to John Lee and Caitlin Schwartz, right? <laughs> And actually, Sulinda and Peter are gonna be the referees up at South, and then we'll have Chrissy Sampson and Jacob Rosa, the referees here. I think they're gonna keep us in line. But I know next week is gonna be so much fun just as we have these amazing young leaders uh, taking the stage and learning from them even as we humble them along the way. But humility, let me give you a real definition, a real definition. Humility is the confidence in who God is and who God says I am. No more or no less. See, throughout the series, we've been looking through Daniel. He actually begins a resistance movement from the very first pages. He's a young man in exile. He's been removed from his family, from his hometown. He's now a slave, a hostage, forced to serve a king, a tyrant. And in in spite of what is an attempted forced assimilation, he stays true to who God is and who God has created him to be. And in Daniel chapter 4 is this really interesting story because all of a sudden, it's actually not Daniel telling the story. It's actually the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And it starts off like this. King Nebuchadnezzar to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the most high God has performed for me. Now, this is an amazing beginning because this is the King of Babylon. Babylon, when you ever hear that word, it is now synonymous with debauchery and evil. The King of Babylon begins this, chapter telling the nations there is a God out there who can do the miraculous. He's not talking about the Babylonian gods. He's talking about the God of Daniel, the God that Daniel introduced to him. So what in the world happened to him that he would get to this place where he would say? these kinds of things. See, one of the things we can draw out from this is that worship is a sign of humility. See, worship is a chance for us to rightly position ourselves as creative beings who hold incredible capacity to cultivate beauty and goodness, and yet at the same time, acknowledging our incredible limitations, and that there is a God that we can entrust our lives to, one who has good for us, who can help us through the difficult times. And so what we discover is the end of the story is a completely transformed evil king. And then he goes into telling us what happened. See, it all began with a dream, which in and of itself is pretty remarkable. This king had dreams given to him from God And he would often bring them up and all of his counsel could not help him, all of his magicians and wizards, none of them could help him. And so he would reluctantly bring in Daniel because he had heard that he understood what these dreams meant. Have you ever had a dream that may have been from God? Were you willing to ask someone that might have a little bit more experience in that, what? God is saying, because at this point, he actually reaches out and have this conversation. See, what we discover through this story is this definition is being fleshed out. Remember, first, humility is confidence in who God is. That means we need to die to the confidence that we have in ourselves, our overinflated ego, that we should step in to experience God first so that we can then have confidence in someone that we believe in that will guide us. You know, Sunday is the first day of the week on the calendar. It's the best way to start your week. And then throughout the week, spending time in in the scriptures and in prayer, spending time with God and then being in a group a group that's helping you belong or or serve or heal or grow. I mean, having other people that are following Jesus, these are practices that can help keep us moving in the right direction. But Nebuchadnezzar discovers confidence in God the hard way. Tells us in chapter 4, starting in verse 9, the king says, Belteshazzar, that's the Babylonian name for Daniel, Chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream, interpret it for me. And then he shares the dream. It's fascinating. Go read it. It's a wild one. Basically, there's a giant tree and it's fruitful. I know it's probably too soon to bring up giant trees right now (laughs) after the week we just had. I hope you made it through okay. It's been a rough week, I know, for many of us. But in this dream, there's a giant tree and it was fruitful and it provided shade and animals lived under it and in it. But then all of a sudden, these messengers from heaven announce that it will be cut down to a stump. And then somehow the stump turns into this man that becomes like a wild animal. And so he asked Daniel, what does this mean? Now, Daniel, unlike the other people that he would bring in speaks the truth, even when it's hard to speak the truth, even when his life is on the line. And he could have made something up, but instead he comes to God and he got God for wisdom. What does this mean? And then he tells them these words in verse 25, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. See, this king had an incredible kingdom. It was the biggest in the known world at that time. As illustrated in this giant tree. But that the one leading this kingdom would be cut down. Would become like a wild animal. Now sometimes when we have dreams that are kind of scary. one, One, it may be the pizza you ate the night before. It may not be from God at all. But it could be a warning. It doesn't mean it has to come true. I mean, in this moment, he was given the option. He could have said, oh my goodness, that sounds terrible. What do I need to do to make things right with God to protect me from this? But he didn't. See, Nebuchadnezzar's issue was he was refusing to acknowledge there was a king of all kings. Despite God showing up in miraculous ways in his life, despite the fact that he had these dreams from God, despite the fact he'd heard Daniel interpret these dreams, despite the fact that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been rescued from a fiery furnace. He disregarded all those things. He sets himself up as king of his own kingdom. His confidence was in himself, in me, myself, and I, the poster child of an ego that's gotten too big. And despite his warnings, he goes his own way says this in chapter four, verse twenty-nine. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. We don't know what exactly happened. In fact, when you read the scriptures, you need to know that especially the Old Testament is Hebrew meditation literature. That means not all the details are given. It it gives room to to wonder, to wrestle, to meditate, to consider, God, what is happening here? It's possible that he might've had some sort of mental health break. All we know is he ended up being isolated, not able to even care for himself, driven from his kingdom. He loses everything, becoming like a wild animal roaming the earth. See, if we don't learn humility, then sometimes we actually end up facing humiliation. It's not what God wants for us. That's why he's wooing us, pursuing us, inviting us to trust Him to go another way. He knows enough that if we keep going our own way, we end up hitting ourselves against the wall over and over. If we're not careful, we'll end up consuming the story rather than considering the story. Consider in your own life, when are you unwilling to listen to godly counsel? How often do we push God away or act as if we don't need Him? How often are we building our kingdom rather than God's kingdom? How often are we living in our own world where we're the center of the universe? Maybe God even gave you a dream, a vision, and you took it and ran with it, but forgot to bring God with you in the process, only to see it fall apart. And then you blame God for what in the end was your pride that led you away from following after God. See, God desires to do life with you, to guide you, to help you. He gives us visions and dreams because ultimately he is the vision. He is the dream. He is what we're looking for. God with us, when we acknowledge him, when we trust him, when we allow him to lead, that's where humility begins every day. Having confidence in who God is, that he is God and I am not. It's one of the first things we need to learn. And we can only be confident in God if we know him. Wherever you're at in your journey, my encouragement to you is just to do a quick assessment sometime today. If you don't know God, ask, God, if you're real, show me who you are. Turn to the gospel of John and just start reading. See if he doesn't reveal himself. Or maybe you have made a decision a long time ago, but you've kind of done your own thing and you come to him in emergencies, like when the power went out, you were praying a lot. But what if what if you were putting God at the primary source of guidance and leadership in your life every day? Just do a quick assessment sometime today. How am I doing when it comes to to putting my confidence in who God says he is and who he says I am. One of the things that we see in Daniel is he's able to serve the worst boss ever. You and I think we have bad bosses sometimes. He actually had a tyrannical king as his boss, but he endures the exile and he doesn't crumble and he stays true to who he is because he knows the creator and he knows who he's created to be. The beautiful end of this story is that the king decides to surrender his life to God. And immediately his sanity returns and his kingdom is restored. And listen to the end, another beautiful song of worship. At the end of that time, I Nebuchadnezzar verse 34, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the most high, I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth regard it as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I and Nebuchadnezzar praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. See, he learns humility. And here's what's interesting. At the, in the middle of all this, he writes... In verse eight, finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. Remember he had renamed him Belteshazzar after the Babylonian guys, but now that he has experienced the beauty of repentance, like saying, God, I'm sorry, and the forgiveness and the transformation that's come, he calls him by his name, given by his parents who worshiped the Hebrew God. See, one of the things that we learn is that you and I can become modern-day heroes of faith. There's Daniel. We don't have an actual picture of him, but there's a painting we can show you. Daniel with boldness, interpreting the dreams of a sometimes furious and fickle Babylonian king. But other heroes, like Dr. King, who had a vision of a different world, giving voice to a dream for a better future. Rosa Parks with clear conviction, taking up space as respectful but clear, but a clear act of defiance, not against humanity, but against the forces that would seek to rob us of collective humanity. Or I think of Jaya and Lakshmi and Naveen, some of the leaders at Impact India 360, our amazing hosts that have been serving the underprivileged for 20 plus years but also think of you this last week, some of you opened your homes to people in your neighborhood who didn't have power or family or friends, people from our church that didn't have heat. Some of you who took your chainsaws knowing a lot of us don't have them and went and helped. See, when you and I are willing to serve with humility, not for what we can get, but for what we can give, we bring a little bit more of heaven to earth. As Jesse and the band lead us in a time of communion, I wanna just ask you to consider, even open your heart to God and ask him to show you areas that you have become proud in. Maybe a relationship where it's turned into all their fault. What is it that you could do to make things right? The scriptures say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It doesn't mean you can make them do anything, but you can choose to do what God puts in your heart. So just in this moment, examine your heart, let God speak to you to show you His way into the future that He has for you. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would speak to us and you would show us right now, areas in our life where we have judged others or judged ourselves when we didn't have a proper view of who you are and who you say we are. God, speak to us in this moment, we pray. Thank you that you love us, that you have good for us, that you wanna bring good through us. Pray this in Jesus' name.